So today's Bible reading is Psalm 23, which is found on page 458 of the Church Bibles. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, I've got a wonderful privilege of bringing this passage to, to you today. So as we stand, will you just pray with me? I'm going to pray a short Anglican prayer. It's very short, but it's very profound. And it says this, it says, Father, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And what we are not, make us. For your son's sake, amen. Now please be seated. Well, as Richard mentioned, my name is Simon. And uh, I wonder if you look at me, what you'd think of some of the experiences I might have had in my life. Um, some people have said to me, I think, you know, Simon, this is what people have said about me, you wear glasses, so you must work in IT. <laughs> some people have said that. Some people have said, Simon, oh, I know, you're, a, you're an academic, really not an academic. Or some people have said, you must be a doctor. <laughs> I don't know where they get this from. But it might surprise you to know that when I was 15, 16, 17 years old, for the spring season, I went to down to Devon in Holsworthy from my place of home, which is Dudley, heart of the black country, and I worked on a sheep farm in the lambing season. And uh, it was quite an experience. And I want to share some of those experiences. So, you know when a lamb, I saw lots of lambs being born, and you know what you do when, you, when a lamb's been born? You have to pick them up by the two front legs, and you do lots of things with them. But it's really... It's really slimy. They've got juices all over them. You're trying to pick them up, but they're slipping out your hands. It's a bit grim. Um, another, another experience I had was try, try counting sheep at night. It's bad enough in a day. They all look the same, but try it at night with just tractor lights. And you start by one, two, three, four, and I can't remember if I counted that one, just to make sure they're all there. Or this is one of the best experiences I had. Going from the top of the field, moving sheep from one field at the top of the road to the bottom of the road, the easiest way to do that, just walk the sheep down the road. So you imagine the farmers in their wisdom, 300 sheep, there's 300 sheep that need to be walked down the road. The farmers get in their quad bikes behind the sheep and they say, Simon, you stand at the front, make sure no sheep get past you. (laughs) Great. And do you know what you do to make sheep? I'm sure you know, being from Nottingham, but if you want to scare sheep and you want to make sheep do what you do, you flap your arms, you shout at them, you go, yah, yah, and they have hopefully, they'll go the other way. 
And it did turn out all right on a few occasions, but it is frightening having 300 sheep blasting at you, I must say. But you know, if you want to move sheep in the West, what we do is we drive them, we fire them forward, we scare them where we want to go. Now I've put that picture in your head about that kind of shepherding, I want you to forget it, completely disregard it. Because when David is talking about this psalm here, he's not talking about a shepherd who drives the flock forward out of fear. He's not saying to them, move, move. Instead, he's saying, he's coming from a point of view as a shepherd in the east, that the sheep would follow him because they, they, they knew the shepherd was there to protect them. They had trust in the shepherd. So they followed the shepherd willingly. So it's instead of David, you see me at, me at the front of the, that road trying to hold the sheep back, David would just walk in front and the sheep would follow him because they loved and protected him. And that's the picture, as we look at this psalm, I want you to have this morning. Not of someone driving sheep because they're fearful, but, because, but a shepherd who is leading them and a, shepherd, and a sheep who follow the shepherd because they, they trust that shepherd is going to provide for them. Now, I've mentioned this psalm was written by David, and David wrote this psalm about a thousand years before Jesus was born, and it was likely he wrote this psalm when he was king over Israel. And this psalm, if you look at it closely, it's an amazing picture of a man's relationship with God. So, you, so he, he is, he's, he's talking, it's as if, if a sheep could write a song, this is probably what it'd say. And in other words, David's saying, I'm the sheep, God is the shepherd, this is what I'm saying about, this is what I'm going to say about my God, the, the, the shepherd. And he looks, and it's like he's looking back, and he's looking back over his life, and he's seeing God's goodness to him. And he looks to the future, and he's trusting the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus, a thousand years later, he says in John 10, he picks up the same theme that David does, and he says, and you have familiar words to lots of you, I'm sure, and it says, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. So as we unpack this psalm, I want to consider three things to help us think them through. Uh, and to try and break it down a bit. There's so much that could be said about this psalm, um, but I've only got a short amount of time, you'll be pleased to know. But there's, um, but there's three things I want to think about this morning, and the first is three things, and these things are, I want to think about first, thanking Jesus for what we have been given. That's the first thing. Second thing I want to think about is trusting Jesus when times are challenging. And then the third thing, I want to think about confidence in Jesus for the future. So those three things there. Now let's look at the first, the first section of this psalm. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now as mentioned, David was a shepherd, but he more than likely wrote this when he was in his prominence, when he was a king over Israel. And he had done amazing things through God. He had united two kingdoms, Judah and Israel, he had expanded the land and continued to do, do so and conquered lots of land. He fought off invaders. He stopped people who wanted to attack, attack the Israelites. He fought them off. He was a warrior king. In the, in the Bible, it talks about them singing songs about David and saying, Saul, the man who tried to kill David, he killed thousands, but David killed tens of thousands. Now, put yourself in that position. You were once a shepherd. Now you're a great king. Do you think it's possible you might have the kind of thing to say, well... Aren't I good? Aren't I good? I've, I've got all this kingdom and 
I've just managed to sort it all out and, you know, it's going really well for me. But can I suggest that if we look at David's reaction, what did he say? What does he say? He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I will not want. And in the key word, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And I wonder if we can apply that to yourselves. So you, you might have a really good job this morning. Who's given you that job? It's God's gift to you, isn't it? If you've got a, a, a lovely family, a spouse or, fa- or, or children, who's given you that? It's God. If you've had some success, I don't know, last week at work, maybe you were in a team meeting and things went well, or a project that you've done has gone really well, Who's given you that success? Who's put that team around you? Who's given you the intellectual ability to be able to manage that team and work through those things? It's God. And the thing is, what we do, once we start taking, once we take, start taking ourselves out of saying, I've done these things, we then start thinking something else. And instead of saying, I've done these things, he has done these things. And David here, he says, he talks about the good shepherd, and he's saying, the Lord Jesus... He's made me lie down in green pastures. He's lead me beside still waters. Colossians 3 verse 15, it says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And the next bit says, And be thankful. Be thankful for what God's given you. And not only that, the next bit there, it says, He restores my soul. He says, He leads me in the paths of righteousness. What is meant by when Jesus says, He restores my soul? And uh, coming back to sheep again, you'll love me for this. Hopefully you'll remember more than just the little illustrations. But, but, but you know, sheep, one thing I've learned about sheep, two things about sheep I've learned when I was working on the farm, two of those things that, number one, sheep are absolutely daft. They really are daft. And they're also very curious. You mix those two combinations together and it's not a good mix. So you get, you've probably seen it in the countryside, sheep walking down the road. And you think, where on earth have they come from? There's no way, and they can't figure out how to get back. Um, the other thing we've had to do is seen sheep stuck in barbed wire. It's not a nice thing. Or they fall down into a ditch and they can't get back up. They're regularly getting themselves in trouble. They always need rescuing. And David uses this analogy of saying, but we're like that. We're sheep as well. And just like David, just like, just like those sheep I've just said need rescuing, so we also need rescuing. We all need rescuing. We had a baptism a few weeks ago when we saw Tom baptized. It was wonderful to see Tom baptized. But what, does that, what is baptism a symbol of? It's a symbol of that somebody has been rescued. It's a symbol that that person has died and come back to life through what Jesus Christ has done for them. And that's a wonderful picture. When, Jesus, when David says here, he restores my soul, he's talking about something more than just, more, more deeper than just his body. He's talking about God has done a work in my life which has transformed me. John chapter 10, verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So the Lord Jesus didn't just provide for us, but he also lays down his life for us. And is that, can I ask you a question? Is that precious to you this morning? Do you know that in your own heart, the same as Jesus, the same as David says, he restores my soul. Is that something that you've got in your own heart? That you can say the same thing, that, that 
he, he, meaning the Lord Jesus, restores my soul. I wonder if you, this morning you think, doubting, Simon, you know, life is hard at the moment. I, I'm feeling a bit dead inside. You know, that connection I had with God, it, it's not there anymore. Can I just encourage you with this? There's a verse in Hebrews that says this. It says, Hebrews 2, 12, 12, it says, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hands of the throne of God. What was that joy that was set before him? It was the joy of seeing you and me, who are Christians, in his kingdom with him. So if you're feeling this morning that your heart is dead, Can I remind you that the Lord Jesus laid down his life, that great shepherd of sheep laid down his life, knowing every sin you'd commit throughout your entire life, yet he still thought you were worth it. He still thought the things you, he still thought that you were worthy enough to be saved. Well, you're not worthy enough to be saved, but he thought you were lovely enough to be saved. Now, if we, if we think like that, and we talk about, we're thankful for material things, we also need to be thankful for the things that God has given us spiritually as Christians and how he has restored our souls. And so like David, we can say, he restores my soul. And so we have a wealth greater than Bill Gates. We have a wealth greater than Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. We can have something greater because the king of all creation, he's come and he's saved us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't that wonderful? If we can really grasp that, it would change our, our, our perspective of, so when we feel down, we can see something more than how we're feeling. Now, we thought quickly about um, think, thinking about things that we've been given. Let's think about the next point. So trusting Jesus when times are challenging. It, it, the next part of the verse says, the psalm says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Now, David was a poet. And did you know that David, as well as being a poet, as well as being a shepherd, before he became king, he was hounded by a man who desperately wanted to kill him. He, he was exiled out of his country. He was separated from the people he held dearest to him. He was separated from his best friend, from his wife. He'd been through situations that he didn't know if he was ever going to get out alive. He did not know if he... And no doubt he would have feared... And I'm sure there's people in this room right now, and you're thinking, Simon, you know, you spoke about David being provided with things. You speak about being thankful to God for our salvation. But at the moment, I'm really struggling. I am really struggling. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. You know, once I had a thriving relationship with God, and now it's gone. It doesn't seem to be there anymore. Or my own circumstances are really challenging. You know, it might be debt, it might be difficulties at work, all these different things. Look what David describes here. Even though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And it's, before we go further, it's really important to say that as Christians, God doesn't, God doesn't say to us, when you become a Christian, things are going to be easy. Because the reality is, and we know by common sense, Christians do go without. Christians do struggle with mental health. Christians do struggle with the physical health. Christians do have problems with other Christians. Christians do have problems just in the same way everyone else is at work. We all have the same issues as, as, as other people. But we have a hope that whatever we're facing, God has it in his control. 
And, if you, and I think it's really important to make a distinction between something David says. On the, on it, behind me it says, it, one thing it doesn't say that David says, he doesn't say, I will not fear. He doesn't say that. He says, I will fear no evil. And that's a really important, I think, distinction to make. Because if, J- if David says, I will not fear then we kind of think, well, that doesn't really relate because we do fear in life, don't we? It's a reality. We do fear in life. But what we need to remember that he says, we do, we, he will not, he will not, I will fear no evil, meaning that I will not, I believe that God will not let that evil overcome me. And that difficult circumstances which we, you've got right now, you have to remember that God will only allow it to go as far as he will allow it to. So when Jesus stood on the, on, this, on the sea, he said, be still, and it was stopped. And that's our confidence, that God will only allow it as far as he will allow it. But why does God allow these things? Why does, why does God allow these painful things in our lives? And just before I tackle that, I want to give you another little sheep illustration to, to just try and, try and make the point, really. If you've got some sheep in Devon and you've got wet weather, they're in a field which is damp, and they get something under their feet called foot rot. And you see the sheep limping. You probably might have seen a few limping along, and, it, and it's horrible. They can't walk properly, and you see them not being able to stand properly to eat. And if left untreated, it would cripple the sheep. And part of my job when I was in the, on the farm was to get some of these sheep in a pen and then hold them for the farmer, who then would lift them up, put them between his legs... And he'd get something that looks like saccateurs and he'd chop the rot out of the feet of these sheep. And the sheep would be bleating and you also you'd see blood coming out. It was, it was painful for the sheep. But why was the farmer doing it? He did it because if he didn't do it, that sheep would go lame. He had to stop the rot. And in an, if I can use another illustration, you might have seen my little boy very excited to go out to Pebbles a few moments ago. And those of you who know me, you know that I worry about my little boy, probably unnecessarily about lots of things. But what would you think if I was a parent who said, right, I'm really going to make sure that my little boy is safe. I'm going to just lock him in his room. I'm going to put cotton wool around his room. And he's never going to get out because that's the safest thing to do. What would you think? I think you'd be ringing social services, wouldn't you? And quite rightly, because it'd be toxic parenting. It'd be toxic to do that. He needs to get out. He needs to see the world. He needs to build that resilience. And in the same way, God doesn't always give us what we want. He gives us what we need. And he doesn't, unlike a good parent, and we could use loads of analogies for parent, a parent doesn't always give a child everything they want. They give them what they need. And And Jesus, as a good shepherd doesn't always give us what we want. He doesn't always give us things which are easy. He doesn't always, he lets things, he lets us struggle sometimes. And the reason why he does it is to give us something even greater. James 1 verse 2, it says, count all joy, my brothers, or count it all more joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, 
lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. So why did David have to go through those horrendous experiences before he came king? You know, I was talking about him being hounded by Saul, being chased. His life was threatened on so many different occasions. Why did he go through that? It was so when he was king, instead of trusting in his own ability, he could be a king who trusted in God. And when we go through these difficult things in our life, it's to point, us, point it away from ourselves and then point to God instead. Now, I'm going to just finish that point on a, a little illustration. It's a fictional illustration. Um, it's no, not truth, truth in it at all, but it makes a really good point. There's a Christian man who died, and he was in heaven, praise God, and he was talking with the Lord Jesus, and the Lord Jesus laid out a map of his life, if you like. And in the, on, on this map of his life, he could see footsteps And he could see that these footsteps followed him wherever he went. And he said, Lord, what are those footsteps? And the Lord said, son, that's where I walked with you. And then he saw this valley, this valley of a shadow of death, if you like. And he noticed, look, those two sets of footprints, they've disappeared. There's only one set of footprints there. And he said, Lord, why? Why? You, this was the hardest point in my life. It was the hardest point I'd ever experienced. Yet you weren't with me. Why is there only one set of footprints? And the Lord said, Son, that's where I carried you. That's where I picked you up. And that's where I carried you. And isn't that a... It's a wonderful story just to think that in our darkest moments, when we think the Lord has abandoned us, he's still walking with us or he carries us. Jesus said, Luke chapter 12, verse 6, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why? Even the hairs on your head are numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. So there we go. We thought about two things there. We thought about thanking Jesus for what we've been given. We've been, we thought about trusting Jesus when times are challenging. Lastly, I want us to think about confidence in Jesus for the future. And the next part of the, verse, the chapter says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now just before I go on to that, I wonder if you've anyone had the experience of a realization that you're getting older. Has anyone, uh, I've recently had a realization of that. Um, I was at work, there wasn't enough seats available at work, and a young nurse, she, come, she comes in and I stand up and I said, oh, you sit on this seat, I'll sit on the floor. And she turned to me and she said, Simon, no, no, you're much older than me, you stay where you are. <laughs> I, and, I, and I was shocked at her, and I said, what do you mean, what do you mean? And she looked at me confused and she says, well, you are older than me. Um, and then it's true. I'm realizing now I'm working with people 10 years younger than me. And it never used to happen. And I know for some of you, that probably makes you feel even older because you're thinking I'm working with people 20, 30 years younger than me. So sorry about that. But, <laughs> but some of us, you know, we, we're getting older. And some of us are young and we're looking forward to what's coming up to life. And some of us, let's just say we've got more silver hairs or we haven't got as many hairs, hairs as we used to have. And can I ask you, those of you who've walked the 
walked in the Christian life for a long time. Let me ask you this question. When you look back over your life, do you see that God's guided you? Do you see that the path that God has brought you down has been a path that he has planned for you? Now I can see nods of heads. And so for us who are younger in the faith, we need to look at the older folks here and remind, be reminded that they are people who've seen that God's goodness follows them throughout their whole life. Not just for that present little bit of time that we're thinking about right now. And even in the hard times, God's still, God's still with us as we get older. And so as we get older, year by year, month by month, we can have that same confidence David had that he will keep us not just when we're young, but when we're older. God doesn't leave, lose interest with it in us as we get older, as our bodies fail us, as our minds don't work as well as perhaps they used to. God doesn't lose interest in you. He still, he still, he, he, this promise still, still applies to you. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Psalm 31, verse 15. Quick verse, it says, My times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that facing tomorrow with whatever meeting you've got that's grueling? Whatever thing's coming up tomorrow? Do you believe that in a month's time? Do you believe that in a year's time? Do you believe that in 10 years' time? That he's got you? You know, David, in this psalm, he's like, it's as if he's standing on a mountain and he's looking back over his life and he's saying, yep, I can see exactly that God's brought me through. Yes, he's brought me through that. He's brought me through that. Yes, he's brought me through that. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to a climax of the verse. The last part of the verse, it says this, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this is the climax of the verse. What does that mean? Give you a little illustration again. Have you ever had the experience when you've gone away, been away for a few weeks, and you come home, and you just sit in your armchair and just think, oh, it's good to be home. You had that experience? David here is longing for home, but he's longing for a home he's never been to. How does that work? He's longing for something more. And that home, of course, is heaven, isn't it? And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this home that David's talking about, it's an eternal home. It doesn't just stop. It doesn't just, there isn't an end point. You know, the British Empire, it's had its day, it's gone. This, this kingdom won't pass away. The people in the kingdom won't pass away. The king will not stop being ruling the king kingdom. You won't turn on your news channel in, in heaven and talk about pandemics and wars and economic crisis. You won't be thinking, gosh, my relationship with the Lord isn't good right now. Those things are gone. That's your internal destination if you're a Christian. We often live in the present, don't we? We live, we live in the present. We're forgetting that we're like... We're like the train that stops at a station and then goes again. That's our life. It stops at the station, it's gone. We just pass through. We pass through the station. We pass through life quickly. And David here, he's recognizing that. He's saying, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is my end destination. That is my end destination. And if you're a Christian here this morning, hear these words spoken by the Lord Jesus, our shepherd. He says, 
In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. That where I am, you may be also. And if you're a Christian, remember you can have confidence that God will keep you all through this life, but also into the next. Now I've got to stop in a few moments. And before I do, can I ask you, is the Lord Jesus, is he your shepherd? Do you have that confidence of the different things that we've been speaking about, that he will hold you in his arms all throughout your life? And I think like David, he would tell you if he was standing here, that he knows of no greater shepherd, he knows of no greater king, and no greater leader. And how, does, how, do, you, how, does, how do you find Jesus as your shepherd? Quite simply, you ask him. Ask him into your life and ask God to do a work, to change you, to transform you. And he will. He promises he will. And if that doesn't mean, if that doesn't mean anything, if, if that's confusing for you right now, talk to myself or Richard and we can try and explain that better. But as we close, I want to remind you just of where we've been with this psalm. So firstly, we started by thinking about thanking Jesus for what we've been given. We started by thanking Jesus for what we've been given, reminding that Jesus is a a perfect shepherd and we should be thankful for him for his goodness, but also for what he's given us in terms of a salvation which is beyond anything that we can ever understand or, or think. Secondly, we thought about trusting Jesus when times are really challenging, when times are hard. And let's be real, life is hard. Life is hard. And we may not have all our needs in the the ways we would like them to, but Jesus doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what we need. And lastly, we can have confidence for Jesus in the future. So that when we're old or when we're young, God's got us right in his hands. And when we think about his uh, future kingdom, we know we're going to be with him. I hear the words just as I finish. Maybe the band would like to come up as I, as I finish. And hear these words. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Maybe, maybe we can pray now together. Maybe we have a few moments of silent prayer. And then I will pray for us, and then the band will lead us in our next song. Father, we thank you for all these things that you've given us. We thank you for this psalm that we've learned about. And Lord, we just pray, or I would pray, that each person here would have their heart warmed. And I would pray, Lord, that you know all the circumstances, you know the things that each person has is holding this morning, And I pray you'd work in their life this morning. Lord, as we sing this song, we pray that you'd, we would pray, giving praise to you, remembering what you've done for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.